As long as I can be angry with her, I am spared from feeling fear or the inverted, inside-out pain of what almost was. Instead of rejoicing, giving thanks that we're both alive, that we have survived another fatal moment, I am furious at my sister. I am furious at God, at fate, but I direct my confusion and hurt onto my sister's bleeding face. Welcome back to Breakthrough, Waking Up to the Real You. I am your host, Alejandra Vivanco. Thank you for joining me today. This is the end of part one of the book. There are six chapters total, and towards the end, as I said in the beginning, she's rescued from the camp she was in. She was so weak that she felt like giving up. She didn't have any strength left in her, not because she didn't want to keep going, but because her body was not able to continue. With a broken back and being starved and abused, there is so much one can do before they feel like the end is here. And it was, the end was her, was her being rescued. She was sleeping in between people that she didn't know if they were alive or dead. Some were, and, you know, she was found. There's this great story about the can of tuna. I think that by the end of the war, the, the, where she was, they allowed help from the Red Cross and they had her sister Magda went to get some food and she found a can of tuna, but they didn't have a can opener. And so, I mean, it wasn't, she was like, it's a nice gesture, but come on, we, we cannot eat this can of tuna. And she was in the bed. She took the can of tuna, put it in her pocket, and she was in the bed with her sister. And Sorry, could you say that again? Sorry. My apologies. Sorry, that was my Siri. Um, she was in the bed with um, with her sister, but and she was not able to speak that. That's how weak she was. She was not able to move or speak. And um, there were people that were dead next to her, but they were keeping her, you know warm and then there was a, a voice that she heard which was one of the the officers that went in and um they obviously saved her but she, he kept asking is there anybody here is anybody alive and she couldn't speak she thought yes but she couldn't say it and so she she kind of senses that the guy is leaving and then there is a she uses a can of tuna to reflect the light from the sun so that it can signal that she's there. It's, uh, it's just amazing. It's what, what a wonderful um, story and the way obviously she expresses herself, communicates her experience is just amazing. And of course, the journey was not easy. And even as hopeful as she sounds and as emotionally intelligent as she appears to be, of course, there might have been times, some of them may not be described in the book or I didn't put them in here, but that she has been in the mindset of asking why. And that, that's why I wanted to open this short episode with that quote, which is, which brings in a bigger conversation regarding us dealing with fear and pain. So, of course, the the way I am pushing, you know, the narrative, uh, if you will, is that, of course, there is hope. We don't have a lot of that. 
So I'm trying to counter, you know, the narrative we have given ourselves in our minds that why me? It's hopeless, blah, blah, blah. This is it. Let me cope with it the best I can, blah, blah. And of course, there's people that come out and we talk about our pain and we try to frame it in a way that can uplift and help and we keep it real, but we also keep it in the line uh, in the line of, hey, you know, if you heal or if you choose to heal, if you feel, you deal and all the good stuff. But even her, she's like, why? You know, when we look at the idea of God and you know, like the man sitting in the throne with Jesus on his side, and uh, we ask why, right? And those are very human moments because, yeah, we don't understand and we don't have to understand. We have a we have a right to be angry. So I, I want everybody to understand that we have a right to feel how we want to feel. So if you feel angry, go ahead and kick, kick something. Be very, very aware that, you know, I don't know, grab a punching bag, you know, go to the gym. Get it out of you. Move the energy through you. You are, it's, you, it's not going to be as bad, but don't take it out on the world. So how do we cope with trauma? How do we cope with fear? How do we try to hide our pain? How does our pain manifest? We, we can only keep it in for so long before it turns on us, before the quote-unquote monster comes out, before we lose control. And we can see it every single day. My mother being abusive to us was not about us per se. It was about her frustration of a broken and abusive marriage. It became about survival and since she couldn't slay the dragon, so to speak, so my father, she directed her pain, anger, frustration towards us, the kids. And how many of us have done it and still do it? When we feel powerless, we try to access power from another entry point or the illusion of power. So um, I was researching a little bit, the concentration camps and stuff like that, and there was this woman that was called the hyena. I don't remember her name, but basically she grew up in a home where, you know, her mother died very young and her father took care of her and she was bullied in school. And then she went to nursing school. And I think that then they shipped her from nursing school to want to be one of the guards and in her powerlessness, of how she grew up, she found another entry point of power and she was one of the most abusive guards in the concentration camps because, um, you know, she had a reputation. She was the one of them the, that was hanged, but she had a, she had a reputation um, that even one of the commanders told her that she needed to eat, like, take it, take it on easy, like to be a little less aggressive we're talking about a woman that was told by one of the male commanders, hey, lighten up, lighten up. So, and she was, you know, when the the trials happened, she was, you know, the people would testify and she said that it wasn't like that, you know, but she was cruel. So she learned cruelty and instead of using that as a way to create, to, 
like have compassion for herself and others, she took it out on the world. And she was very cruel to the guards. Like the stories I heard and I read, it's just, it's just awful. It's just violence. It's just to be violent at that point. And when she was about to, um, to be killed, and she had to be, you know, hanging and all that. She said the only things her last words were, make it quick. Like the balls of this lady. And that's just how it is, you know. We 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 use the world to deal with our inner inner shit. So Let's talk about it, you know, social media, people looking to redirect their frustrations at the news of the day or at a specific celebrity. When, when we feel powerless, we fight to find a way to feel empowered and we attach ourselves to things or people that we will be able to use to our advantage. Imagine complaining about someone you've never met or have met before and have not had a conversation with them about your thoughts regarding anything. And we're just using them as an excuse to look away from what needs our immediate attention. So my mother, as powerless as she was, she found herself to be powerful by being abusive to us and criticizing her siblings. You know, she would condemn her act their actions and she would try to control their lives through shame and blame. And she had positioned herself on a pedestal where she knew better. When in her own fucking house, she was scared and sad. And she held that title of knowing better for a very long time. You know, the, the, the type of saying, try to throw rocks from a glass house. But... It helped her survive. Since she had internalized that she couldn't handle her abuser, she needed to look at every direction outside of her situation so that she could forget, temporarily, of course, her own reality. Genuinely happy people won't mind what happens, remember? And given that we all grow up in environments with people who don't know how to be or live, we marinate in that ignorance, wash, rinse, and repeat. Dr. Eager continues, I think that these children have been brainwashed to hate me. I wish for the boy who spits at us to one day see that he doesn't have to hate. So I think they were moving them from one confrontation camp to another, and one German boy just straight up spat and... Magda was very upset. She said that she wanted to kill him and kill his German mother. And the quote that I just read was from Edith. She didn't want to kill him. She wanted to, you know, make the boy change his mind because the boy didn't have to hate. Hate is being taught, obviously, to these kids. They don't know better. But of course, when you are in that position, remember, you've been suffering, and then you see a kid, they, they spit. 
you're not going to be as understanding, obviously. So we, w- we would all relate to Magda and say, fuck you and I will kill you and your mom and all that. And I remember there was a moment uh, when they were leaving, I think Budapest, if I'm not mistaken, when Magda was in the train and with Edith and they see a German mother and that thought came to her mind, like the spitting or killing a German mother because... They killed their mother, obviously. Uh, Mengele sent Edith's mom to the chamber, but um, also to avenge that moment of, you know, somebody spitting in your face. But revenge gives you the illusion of power. So we have to understand, and I know it's hard. I'm not justifying hate, but... Hate, fueling hate, cannot vanquish it. It can only perpetuate it. So hate, fueling hate, cannot vanquish it. It can only perpetuate it. And no matter what reasons are behind it, we can't justify hate. It doesn't matter how you frame it. I think it's safe to say that we can all understand it, right? So... Choices can be made. And I think that what's wonderful about the way she talks about their time at um, the concentration camps is that we have two characters, very, very clear personalities, Magda and then Edith. And the way they, they, they survive the camps are in different ways. Their goal is the same, to stay alive, but it's very different. Magda is a little bit more raw. She's a little bit more reactive. Edith is a, because her role, Edith's role in her family was to keep the peace. And uh, she was always trying to keep the balance in the house. I think that's what she brought with her to the camps. And I think those both personalities helped themselves to survive. And it's endearing. It's powerful. But as we're going to see, because this episode is about part one, chapter four, five, and six, as we're going to see as we move forward, that everything that Magda let herself think and feel it's going to come up in a different way, but it's going to come up for Edith in her life. So we'll talk about it next week. And again, if you would like to subscribe, you can. If you please would like to share it with your friend, you can. Um, I am posting on Instagram different things about the podcast. You know, we just finished Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth. Now we're doing The Choice. And I already have another book lined up. I just need to finish recording this first so that I can start working on the other book. I'm going back back to some books I've read. And I'm like, you know what? It's it's um, It would be a positive thing to share with you and share thoughts. If you are not interested in one book, I got another one for you and another one for you. So we'll just talk about it and um, reading about different people and their stories really help 
us develop a vocabulary and a, a way of thinking, how we can communicate with ourselves things we've been through. And it doesn't have to be as extreme as Auschwitz, but we can all find common ground. We can all relate. Because it's, again, it's not about what you went through per se. So it's not about the circumstances. It's about your experience. And it's about how you want to move forward, if you want to move forward. And again, if it doesn't resonate with you, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's a great book. If you're not interested in healing, don't feel like you have to, because the word in itself carries a lot of a lot of information, but what I want you to know is that we all have choices we make. And once we acknowledge that we have choices we can make, then we can take responsibility for our lives. So I'll see you next week and you have a great day. And with that, I say till next time. Bye.